Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. So I want to talk about a topic I've been thinking about for many months, and that's about the underground church. And it's a topic that's very personal for me and for you for that matter. I'm sure if you've been overseas and have actually seen the underground church, um, and it's something I've just been con- considering for actually years, how the underground church operates and how their effectiveness is and really so much of how God moves uh, behind the scenes and really beyond the radar of most uh, where there's opposition that, that, uh, that prevails. And when you think about the underground church, of course, we think about countries that are, uh, you know, under great duress, like uh, countries like China. We think of communist countries uh, in the early years uh, in Russia, the Soviet bloc, uh, and even in Muslim countries, even today. But uh, several times I've been able to, I remember in the early years in the Ukraine, a country coming out of communism and really taking, I would say, almost a generation to really recover from the practices of the communist or Marxist mindset. And then we have uh, several trips that I've taken into Asia, Japan, China, and Korea, and other places that really are, uh, pay a price for the gospel that, uh, that we, we have so much access to. <laughs> hey, Pastor. <laughs> so, so when you think about the underground church, I, I always uh, think about Acts chapter 6 here, and just think about as our landscape changes, and we in America who have not experienced much persecution, I think we are starting to taste it and will continue to be impacted by it. So we really need a mindset in opposition and or how to continue uh, keeping Christ at the center. Now, some people we talk to, they kind of dismiss this. They maybe say that people are overreacting. or um, But I remember my last trip into China and seeing the growth of the churches there and the incredible hunger and thirst for the gospel, but also the oppression of a, of a, uh, a totalitarian uh, regime. So when you consider that we're not here to change governments necessarily, if God chooses to do that through our teaching and leaders are transformed, and that's, that's exactly what we're hoping to have happen, but our mission is not a political mission, thank God. Our mission is to disciple, teach, and to represent and demonstrate the kingdom of God in the Bible. So the underground church, again, is growing exponentially because not only is there unity, there's a hungering and thirsting after the truth of God comparatively to megachurches that are mostly um, social and seeker-friendly and, of course, um, needs-driven. I think (laughs) as we move forward, we're going to see the shrinking of megachurches and maybe the the propelling of smaller ministries, which would be amazing, you know, that the more mobile a church is, the smaller it is, and sometimes the more effective it is because it's the, the mobility or movability of it. <clears throat> so 
Uh, I remember being in underground church meetings and seeing the faces and hearts and the languages of people's hunger and dedication and commitment to know the Bible, want to be taught, I mean, in living rooms and uh, even in the woods, in private meetings, hiding out. Uh, we see uh, that Christians that really know the price and the importance of the gospel uh, will risk much. When you think about the communist world, too, you know, the person that's jailed or um, comes under trouble, it's not just that one person, it's the whole family. So if one person gets arrested, typically their whole family will suffer. And uh, not just their generation, their present generation, but all the generations that are alive. So there's a great price. <clears throat> there's a great price. And But I just remember in the Ukraine in particular, um, there was such a hunger. I mean, you'd present the gospel on the streets after the Iron Curtain fell and people would be running to you because the lie was exposed and they finally uh, experienced the truth and freedom of the gospel, which rehabilitates the heart. So if you want to look with me, <clears throat> Acts chapter 6, verse 4, uh, the underground church. How could the underground church work here in America? And I again, that thought may be foreign to us, but I think as we look at the landscape and the changes that we're experiencing, uh, you know, it is awesome to think that the church can function under any circumstance, can function under any government for that matter, because it's a work of Christ, and if it's a work of man, it can be stopped, but if it's a work of God, it cannot be stopped. And that's in Acts chapter 5 with Gamaliel that he says that. Uh, better to leave them alone, he says, <laughs> uh, in 39, Acts 5, 39, because you're fighting against God. Well, that's a good word, isn't it? It's a good word. Well, in Acts 2, 42, we see that the church started in one accord, uh, learning the Bible, teaching the Bible, breaking bread together. We see the New Testament church in Acts 2, 42 through, through 47. But as the church grows and starts to advance, the persecution and the uh, reaction becomes more and more uh, aggressive. And uh, we see this here in 6.4 of Acts, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, this is an important point because every believer, this verse is for every believer, that we are given continually we give ourselves. We wholly seek God. We learn. Therefore, we have a ministry. If we don't give ourselves to the word and to prayer, we do not have a ministry. And we will succumb to the pressures, the threat. The, uh, we'll back off when things are uh, censored, and we're coming into that age of censorship and uh, hate speech uh, where the popular culture will uh, fight against the words of God. And so we must have our mindset prepared to say, listen, I'm going to be faithful to the word of God, period. And when you see this, we see Stephen here in verse 5. He was filled with the Spirit. And I love Stephen because he was more conscious of honoring God than honoring men. And he had a whopper of a message here in Acts chapter 7. I mean, he uh, shared with the Sanhedrin a word that limb by limb, he just totally uh, addressed uh, their history, 
by, through the law and through Jesus Christ at the center. And at the end of his message, they stoned him because they could not handle the truth. Now, before we get there, look at 6.8 of, of Acts. It says, Stephen was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. So <laughs> it's incredible. So Peter, I'm sorry, uh, Stephen was ready for the battle before the battle actually happened. Now, when you look at Psalm 144, we see an interesting verse here that I thought of here. Psalm 144, verse 44, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my strength that teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and he is whom I will trust who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you taketh knowledge of him? It's interesting, like the psalmist is saying, you know, he, it's, this is called the warrior psalm, but he wasn't, he, his, his uh, fight wasn't with people. He wasn't someone that was crusading based on a political agenda. His fight, and he teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. His fight was with the message of Christ presenting the gospel to be fervent in and out of season, and to continue in uh, the apostles' doctrine. So I think as we uh, enter into this um, arena, and I believe, you know, maybe it might be to a point where it's illegal to share your faith. Maybe that might not happen right away, uh, but it may. What do we do when confronted with that uh, with that obstacle? Well, if we're if our hands and our fingers are prepared uh, to serve, to, to, uh, to demonstrate, to go, to uh, have that boldness that God can give, then guess what? Greater is he that is in us than anything that will come against us. So in one sense, we look at the, we look at the storm coming, but it is not our, it doesn't steal our focus. We, we are trained and or prepared but we're continually giving ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And guess what happens? As you, as you fill yourself with truth, it will come out. Look at the life of Daniel. Daniel was a perfect example. How about Mordecai? I was talking to my wife recently about Mordecai. I'm, I've always wondered why was Mordecai the only one standing uh, when everyone else was bowing before that golden calf? Well, there's many reasons. People were fearful. People didn't want to lose what they had. Uh, they were afraid of dying. But Mordecai, guess what? He was a man that was, uh, had strength, inner strength, and was more focused on, um, on, on what God had to say than what uh, preserving his own life. You know, as you know, many of us, the Equality Act was recently passed, and that is... Uh, you know, that is, an, that is a, an interesting act, if I could say, uh, very bad, I should, I should actually say straight up, um, and will impact not only uh, the average citizen, but it'll impact schools and churches. So we want to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves in Matthew 10, 22, and we want to have a mindset, okay, Lord, how do I function under persecution or opposition or uh, blatant uh, cultural 
uh, disagreements. Well, Peter, uh, look at this Stephen. I mean, I want to show you this interesting verse here, uh, Acts chapter 6, uh, verse 13. And notice that the issues that, that the early church had were mostly with religious leaders. That's an interesting point. You know, in our day and age where people are snitching on each other and churches are fighting against each other, the devil must be laughing because uh, that disruption and division is, um, is very uh, effective, unfortunately. But God, but God is able to have his word and his mission continue. Look at this in Acts 6.13. It says, and he's, so the, the council set up false witnesses. Okay, that's, that's a first indication for, uh, for, for uh, opposition. First of all, they could not refute Stephen in Acts 6.10, and, and he could, they could not refute, refute, uh, refute, refute him. <laughs> Foo, that was a hard word there. Uh, why? Because he was trained, he was educated, and he was uh, really the Spirit of God was upon him. So they set up a false witness, and they will do the same to you and I. They will do the same to you and I. Do not be surprised. So therefore, do we defend ourselves? Do we justify ourselves? Do we uh, crusade for ourselves? Maybe and maybe not. Jesus didn't do that. Instead, he lifted up the gospel of his Father. So they set up false witnesses or lies, which said this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against the holy place, and against the law. Was Stephen, was Stephen doing that? No. Stephen's perspective was Jesus was his center, not, not the cultural norm of the day, not the politics, not even the law, even though he referred to the law. But he, his premise was Jesus as the fulfillment of the law. Notice this, verse 15. Uh, okay, 14. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered unto us. What, what a great statement. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And how did he do it? He had it, he, just like the new covenant, just like the, the fulfillment of the law, you know, so many of us can, can be stuck in the past and have other premises, have other centers that opposition will easily manipulate. My, my opinion, opposition will manipulate. Uh, my preference, opposition will manipulate uh, and, and will win the argument every time. But when it's Christ, when it's absolute truth, no matter how weak falsehood, uh, no matter how weak truth looks, it is still true. And no matter how strong falsehood looks, it is still false. Well, Verse 15, and they all sat in the council looking steadfastly on Stephen, and he saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Now, that's awesome, isn't it? I don't know about you, like, how do people look at you and I? It, I mean, it's incredible. We don't even realize, and maybe that's good we don't realize how people perceive us. But this whole council was very uh, agitated because Stephen was rocking the boat. And, and I'll just say this. I think in herd mentality or cultural Christianity, people don't want to, people do not want to rock the boat. They don't want to go upstream. But I say, I say this, I say we should rock the boat if our premise and our, and our heart is the one that reflects the heart of Christ. Because as we near the rapture, 
the, the uh, difference between Christ and the Bible versus cultural and, and other uh, preferences uh, will be drastically obvious. So are we antagonistic? Are we looking to have a fight? Are we looking to uh, yell and scream and be bitter or angry people? No. But really, just like Stephen, we have the Spirit of God and His countenance and anointing rests on us. So, what do you believe? I would say that to you today. What do you believe? Know what you believe. Be able to defend what you believe. Live in what you believe. And uh, and pray that God will give you the strength to share what you believe. Because the darker the night, the more destruction will be seen. And the only answer is Jesus Christ. The only answer is the Bible. The only answer is to teach, preach, and to disciple. In communist countries, there are no missionaries, no churches. Churches are burned. Um, There is great loss of life and or jobs and or privileges. But guess what? The Holy Spirit gives back a hundredfold anything that is lost. Well, Stephen has an incredible message here in chapter 7. But look at verse, uh, you know, he begins to make it very personal and says in verse 51 and 52, and, and the Spirit convicts these men, uh, and they begin to see that they persecuted the just one, as it says here in 52. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. That'll happen to you and I, maybe. Maybe you've been in conversations, and you've said something in love, and it hits that person, and maybe the lie's been exposed. Maybe... Uh, they're, uh, they're just in a place where, oh my gosh, you know, uh, you know, they either embrace Christ or they, or they just, they attack you and I, hopefully it's the first one, (laughs) but they gnashed on him with their teeth. And it's interesting that word gnash, it's the same phrase that they use in hell where there'll be gnashing of teeth in in Mark 9, 48. They literally lunge on him, and they beat him, and they uh, cannot handle anymore what they're hearing. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. Isn't that good? This is one of the greatest demonstrations. I mean, I remember as a child, my mother would have us write Christians in, uh, in, in communist Russia back in the early 80s, and we would write Uh, different pen pals and or people, and they'd share with us different things uh, and just their story. And it's very interesting how God supernaturally protected people till they fulfilled their mission. They supernaturally kept people, encouraged people. I remember we were in a meeting in China uh, where literally you could not sing in the meeting because because of the noise level. But instead, there were people uh, actually lip syncing they couldn't clap, but they were doing the virtual clap. And uh, I'll never forget that meeting because it was, it was like a few hours that went by that felt like a few minutes. And I thought, these people are serious. And I was so convicted. I said, I don't think I'm as serious as a believer as these folks. And it really challenged me to say, Lord, I want you to be as real to me as they are to these, to these folks. So, I, mean, they, I mean, we would do birthday parties. I remember we did a conference over there. We did an English language conference, but it was... It was a Bible conference, and we had Bible we had Bibles hidden in our books, and we had people uh, come in our meetings, and um, 
God really covered that. He, they blinded the eyes and the minds of people, um, that, and we were covered. We were covered. And I think of our churches in these persecuted places, uh, that God continually, His glory rests upon them. Uh, and I would just say in America, we have a great opportunity to prepare now for what is coming. Because I really believe as the darker the night, we see that there's a great revival and a great uh, move of God happening behind the scenes. Uh, so things may change, but they don't have to stop. Okay? They don't have to stop. And I'm thinking with you, like, no, I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like change. I don't like the fact that it won't be business as usual. But if the presence of God rests on on you, then it won't matter uh, how it is, uh, what the landscape is. If it's with five people, or if it's with 50 people, or 500 people, as long as uh, the Lord is with us, right? You know, I was just thinking in Frederick as we're ministering there on the weekends, and, you know, you know it's interesting that people's communities are being dismantled, like, um, through just of the, all the changes, but when we go by faith, I just, I'm sure you've had this same conversation, just people gravitate and say, you know, we haven't met in a year, we want to meet in person, can we come to your meeting, and they're so hungry and thirsty, and we're helping people build spiritual grace communities in these places, uh, because the new big is small, the new big is small, right, so if you have if you have a concentrated group of believers that's con, uh, continuing the ministry of prayer and the word, guess what? You're in direct opposition uh, to uh, what is going on all around us. Well, anyway, I love this. Uh, Stephen Stephen's very edifying. Um, he he sees Christ standing. He sees the heavens opened in verse fifty six. And with a loud voice, he cries out. <laughs> so this is really key because who is, who is observing this? We, we know Saul is observing this, right? We really know that. And, and, and how we don't know who's observing your life. We do not know who's hearing your words. You might think no one's hearing it or no one really cares or it's drowned out by the... Um, psycho babble of our day uh, but instead people are watching people are listening and look at Saul's a good example who becomes Paul and writes most of the New Testament and that's awesome isn't it you know that's that's an incredible thought and then I love what he says here lay not this sin to their charge I mean that is that's what Jesus said in so many words on the cross lay this not on their charge do not they father forgive them they know not what they do again so we can get angry, we can get upset, we can get frustrated, but Stephen, what was Stephen's mission? Stephen's mission was to clearly communicate the heart of God, and I've got two pastors here in the audience today, which is super edifying. <laughs> you guys, I'm preaching to the choir here, <laughs> but that's our, that's our mission, is not to be fancy or compete with Hollywood or make a great show, because I think people are done with a show. Uh, they want a clear word like we heard last night. They want to touch the garment of Jesus Christ uh, in what we're saying, uh, because the stimuli and the emotions are just flash in a pan. Uh, 
you know, I, I remember, um, again, just thinking about the underground church very much in my mind these days uh, to uh, help people stay connected, help have a word from the word for that person. Prayer, prayer, bringing, you know, prayer is that boundless um, ministry, regardless of where we are, God's ear is, is down low listening. So, yes, we may have to get creative. You know, one writer says this, when you come across things in the Bible that are now controversial, don't skip over them. Don't ignore them. Don't apologize for them. Uh, don't have a theology of apology. That's like, um, that loses our credibility, doesn't it? We apologize all day long. Uh, that doesn't mean we don't have the spirit of love and compassion, but instead, you know, we don't skip over it, but we present it in a clear and kind way, but we do not apologize for the truth. And anything that's worth anything has a price, right? So our ministry of love to our neighbor, raising our family. You know, I've talked to people that says, oh, I don't want to have kids in this day and age because it's really a rough and dangerous time. That's between you and God, whatever you decide. But on the contrary, we want more people that have this like-minded uh, message and thinking, right, to, to, be a, um, to speak and, uh, in one accord. And, uh, and because you know what? You know what? I'll just close with this. Uh, God is moving always. Acts 1.14, Acts 6.4, Acts 2.42, these verses that we're talking about today, Acts chapter 7. What happened in the New Testament church? I mean, persecution moved them. We're gonna, I think I love the missions night the other night. We're going to be moving to different areas. Why not? We're going to be breaking new ground because I think one of the objectives of, op of opposition is to wake up a comfortable church because it's easy to get comfortable, right? Uh, and to reach out in faith and be persuaded that if it's of God, you're fighting against God. Like the messenger, right? Like, what was, the, what was the big criticism in the book of Acts, or in the Gospels, I should say? Oh, these are just Galileans. They're, they are uh, unlearned men. But guess what? They were connected to something so much greater than them. They were connected to something so much more. Uh, they were connected to absolute truth. Were, and so our message, our, our ministry, we don't want to get distracted with with all of the challenges to it, but we want to keep on preaching, loving, and ministering life. Amen? And so no matter what happens, it doesn't really even matter. What matters, right, is the person loving the person in front of us in grace and truth. And let's watch the glory of God, you know, with you, right? No matter how much evil wax greater and greater, guess what? God and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit will also right? We will see the goodness and glory of God faithfully care for what we care for, but also for the gospel's sake, for the furtherance of the gospel. I think we're going to see amazing things in these coming years. Amen? Amen? Amen. To, the, to the two men in the room, <laughs> to the angels, Father, we thank you for all those online today. Encourage us, Lord. We, we, uh, when we're connected to you, we do not see the heat when it comes but our roots are down deep, and they're connected to the life and ministry of the Word and prayer and the Holy Spirit. God, keep us connected to those three things. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.